Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. An important access to information case, the one that involves the ANC handing over its cadet deployment meeting minutes and records so that you and I, the public, can see exactly what was being said and by whom within the de- uh, deployment committee of the ANC, of which for a certain period President Ramaphosa was the chairperson of. Uh, this deployment committee had decided who certain ministers will be, who certain DGs will be, who certain directors of key institutions and even CEOs of state-owned enterprises will be. It is within these meetings, apparently, where the ANC, many argue, had established its patronage network uh, that had rendered the state unprofessional, incapable and inefficient. It's important Uh, what work they were doing. It's important that we have sight over it, the Democratic Alliance had argued in court, and the ANC now turns to the Constitutional Court to overturn the Supreme Court of Appeal judgment. What are its prospects of success? Well, I don't know. Benedict Peary, legal analyst. (coughs) My apologies. Benedict Peary, legal analyst, joins us, and hopefully he has a better understanding of what the grounds for appeal may possibly be and what sort of questions the Constitutional Court may ask in deciding whether or not to warrant uh, a uh, right of appeal, leave to appeal, that is to say. Benedict, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Seems like we don't have Benedict on the line just yet. We're going to try and connect with him in a short while. I want to hear your views on this. Give me a call, 86 2032 I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. I do want to remind you that on the other side of 11 o'clock, it will be the open line. So I want to know from you what is on your mind this evening on the other side of that. Benedict, we do have you on the line Good now. Good evening. Welcome to Night Talk. Oh, good evening, Oliver. It's great to be on the show. Let's start with a very rudimentary legal question. When any applicant in any matter applies for leave to appeal to the Constitutional Court, what's the litmus test for whether that uh, leave to appeal is granted? Right. So the, the, there's really two things. Um, one is that uh, you've got to show that the interests of justice um, basically dictate that the Constitutional Court hears the matter because you wouldn't have obviously been granted an appeal from a lower court, which is the case in this particular instance. So you need to show that the interests of justice require that the Constitutional Court hears the matter. And then secondly, you've got to show that you've got prospects of success in the matter. And that really means that uh, the Constitutional Court would come to a different decision uh, than whatever other court heard the matter before them and the reason for the appeal. So those are the two key aspects that any applicant for leave to appeal to the Constitutional Court needs to show. Yeah. And it's never a question around evidence. It's always a question around interpretation, I assume. I understand it to be. Um, It's not a question around interpretation. I think there are areas where the law is perhaps unclear or hasn't been developed enough, um, and it needs the benefit of a higher court, such as the Supreme Court of Appeal or the Constitutional Court, or, as you say, ambiguous interpretation. Uh, But in some instances... Um, the law, you know, is quite straightforward, right? Um, and prospects of success on appeal are maybe that the judge has actually just gotten it wrong. Uh, so it's not always a matter of interpretation because, you know, judges in lower courts, uh, even in the higher courts, they sometimes get it wrong. 
um, and and you know and often not just a matter of interpretation, but how they've applied the test or have they looked at all of the facts? Did they overlook an important aspects in the matter that maybe another court would look differently. Uh, But I wouldn't put it as strictly a matter of interpretation. Now let's get to the matter at hand. The ANC's um, appeal in the Supreme Court of Appeal judgment pertaining to its handing over its records. What could the court, the Supreme Court of Appeal, possibly have gotten wrong that the ANC may feel as an applicant or as a defendant in this instance, but applicant in the appeal, uh, that the Constitutional Court may find differently? I find that very difficult to actually fathom. I'm actually looking forward to seeing the ANC's papers in this particular respect because the ANC's um, uh, response to the DA's application, or rather Mr. Schrieber's application, because the DA has fallen out of it, uh, was really quite an underwhelming response. And if you read the judgment of uh, the Gauteng High Court, um, it's very clear that they did not engage substantively with the test under the Promotion of Access to Information Act for the giving of the documents. And under the Promotion of Access to Information Act, an individual such as me and you uh, can access documents from any private body, including a political party, provided that the documents are needed for the exercise of a right. Um, and what the DA had actually illustrated was that the documents are needed for Mr. Schrieber's um, oversight uh, responsibilities in Parliament, which he has a right to do, and also in respect of the bill that he brought to regulate cater deployment um, yeah. and ensure that exactly. So, and and you know, the ANC did not actually challenge that. They did not meaningfully say that you know those documents were not needed in respect of the exercise or protection of that right. And for that reason, it was obvious, uh, and rather, let me say, it should have followed that the Supreme Court of Appeal would say there are no reasonable prospects of uh, success, I mean, no reasonable prospects of success on appeal because, you know, there was nothing of substance for the court to grapple with. And now we must remember, an appeal is a continuation of the matter. Yeah. So it's not a new matter altogether. It's really to say the judge missed something critical here, or he could have looked at it differently. So in this particular instance, the ANC is going to struggle because if they've not put anything on the scoreboard already around why those documents are not required for the exercise of a right, uh, it's going to be very difficult uh, to actually put new information in front of the constitutional court on that respect. Could they potentially argue that the appointment of DG's ministers, directors, um, and CEOs is entirely the prerogative of government that if they want any sort of records into the appointment of such officials that they should look to government, not Lutuli House? Um, they didn't argue that um, and I suppose they could have uh, argued that at depth but when you think about it it's actually not a uh, persuasive argument because you know, I send a request to the ANC and I say, please give me document one, two, three, four, five, and I want it for the exercise of this right that I have. What the ANC said was, the exercise of the right should be a right in the Bill of Rights or a fundamental right. And the court said, no, because, you know, Pi uh, is quite um, uh, clear that it's any right that needs to be exercised. And it, that means any document that any person has, if I need it for the exercise of a right, I can obtain it. Whether I can obtain it somewhere else is not the point, or whether the function lies somewhere else is not the point. The point is, do you have the document, and do I need it 
for the exercise or protection of a right. So in as much as they could have said that argument, it's not a defense under Pyre because what the ANC should have shown is that the documents are not needed for the rights that uh, the DA said they needed to exercise. Which right envisioned in, in, uh, envisioned in Pyre would the Democratic Alliance be exercising in the pursuit of those documents? So the Democratic Alliance put it, um, you know, they set out three rights. The first right was that Mr. Shriba, as a member of parliament who had proposed this bill into CADA deployment, has a right to bring a bill in parliament that relates to CADA deployment. And, and I think that's correct. Um, the ANC said, well, it's not a right. It's a duty that, uh, a, you know, a parliamentarian exercises. But the court found that, well, right and duty are basically two sides of the same coin and nothing fell on that distinction. The second right that the DA had indicated as a right that they needed to exercise um, was the right to exercise oversight as parliamentarians over the executive and state-owned entities, etc. The court also found that, you know, knowing how CADA deployment operates um, and what the court looked at specifically here, which was critical, was the records from the State Capture Commission, what um, the president had actually said uh, to Judge uh, Zondo, as well as what people like um, uh, Faiki Mentor had actually said, etc. Right. So, um, so that's what the court looked at, and they said, well, you know, when you look at the conspectus, it is very clear that CADA deployment is actually a thing that probably needs to be regulated by Parliament when you look at all of these affidavits and all of this evidence. So actually, it is important that people that bring, uh, you know, these bills or exercise oversight capacity in Parliament have a proper insight into what is actually happening there. And that is a right that is required uh, for a member of Parliament. Um, The third aspect wasn't granted by the court but you know it's neither here or there because you know on those two aspects that's how yeah. the case the, the matter yeah. the implication of this means that the ANC's cater deployment meetings for which it committee its committee still exists would become effectively a transparent public exercise because each time the ANC cater uh, deployment committee meets Anyone could bring a pie application and they would have to release those meeting minutes meaning that the ANC could never, in private or any party for that matter, have conversations around the deployment of people? Um, I don't think it's that broad, um, you know, where it will fall. Because ultimately, if you are bringing an application under PIA to the ANC, so firstly, you'd send the document to the ANC and say, I want these documents and I need them for the exercise of this right. So if you don't have a right to exercise or protect, so the context here comes out because a a member of parliament needed the documents to inform his work as a parliamentarian. But if you and me are just sitting outside and we want those cater deployment records, I'm not sure what right we can say we are asserting or protecting in the request of those cater deployment records. So in a way, yes, the cater deployment records from January 2013 up until whenever the DA requested them for will become public, but it's not necessarily a blank check for all of us to just say, I want those documents. The test would have to be whether we've got a right to exercise or protect. Yeah. So to what extent, and maybe this might be a test, uh, a, a, test a test case for Pyre, to what extent can a party retrospectively 
bring an application for documents. Is there a period within which an app, an application for access to certain information and documents expires, uh, given the number of years that it passed? So these are records uh, going dating back all the way to 2013, which is literally a decade ago. Um, can an application in PIA go that far back? How far back can it go in law? PIA does not have a limit on how far you can request documents for in law, but it does give the person who receives the request. So whoever had received it at the ANC has got a checklist under PIA which allows him to refuse the document. So for instance, if the document um, uh, basically contain the personal information of somebody or commercially sensitive information, uh, you know, there's a whole list of exclusions, which you as a person who receives a, a, an access to information request can say, I can't give you this information because PIA says I'm allowed to not give it to you if, for instance, it reveals commercially sensitive information or information of another third party or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm actually surprised in this particular instance that you know the ANC did not avail themselves of those kind of defenses because it would actually have made the matter a lot more defensible for them, at least give us a chance to test whether really, truly the documents contain information of a third party, for instance, right? They could exclude a number of documents because you can see people uh, and people's information, et cetera. Or, you know, so there are a host of exclusions under PIA that perhaps the ANC could have availed themselves of, even if it wasn't a genuine attempt, that would have been something that would have been litigated all the way through the courts. Yeah. Commercial uh, sensitivities is a legitimate argument. The court takes that into consideration. Um, But political parties themselves are in a competitive arena. And certain information may give one party an edge over the next. Does sensitivity not pertain to competition rather than commerciality? It doesn't pertain to competition. And this is the interesting thing about PIA, right? Because it's not about competition, but it actually is about, you know, commercially sensitive information. I'm just using that term broadly um, because I don't have the act in front of me, but you you get the gist. Yeah. Yeah. But competition wouldn't be uh, a factor that one could actually put up under PIA. Yeah. And just finally, and I think this, this, this is an important theme to explore here. This is an incredibly politicized case, right? Uh, and, and oftentimes law and politics intertwine in, in, in ways that you can't neatly dissociate them uh, and that judges have to make an adjudication on a political matter, not just purely something that is legalistic. In fact, it is the case that judges have to pass down a value judgment on whether something is good law or bad law whether something is good politics or bad politics in its relationship to the Constitution. Is this one such case where the distinction between what is a political question and what is a legal question is clearly distinct? I don't think this particular matter is the one. Um, I think the other DA application that seeks to declare uh, cater deployment as unconstitutional I think that is more the political matter because that really strikes at the heart of how the ANC operates, really, um, and how they've, you know, how we came to see state capture happen. At least how what we heard from the Zondo Commission yeah. and others. Um, but this particular one is actually quite a purely legal matter. You know, it's mm. I sent you a request for documents. You could have responded and said you can't give them to me on a number of reasons. 
you didn't. Um, the DA took you to court because you didn't respond appropriately. And the court said you should actually disclose the document. You know, it's not political. I right. mean, when you take them together with the one that uh, the DA has brought to declare the catered deployment unconstitutional, then you can see the DA's project clearly, right? But this one was really a matter that could have been handled very well legally. And for that reason, I think this is why the SCA has also said, well, the legal principles are quite straightforward here. There's really yeah. nothing that is opaque and that a different court could look at differently. Yeah. Let's have a listen at these WhatsApp voice notes uh, coming through on our WhatsApp line. Hi, Oliver. Please ask your guest, uh, can PIA be used uh, to by members of parliament to access information concerning CR17 campaign, the famous CR17 uh, bank statements that have been uh, sealed? Benedict, that question really is a question around distinguishing between public and private matters, uh, and like you said, in the exercise of a particular right. Does the president's bank statements in his presidential campaign of 2017 meet that threshold? Again, you know, the question would be, if I was asking for those bank statements, what right would I be saying I'm exercising or protecting? So if I've got a right that I'm exercising or protecting and which those bank statements are important to the exercise or protection of those rights, I would be able to obtain those rights under PIA. I mean, those documents under PIA. Yeah. Do you have a direct answer about it? I I don't know if you know all the facts and merits of the, but do you think that the CR17 case in particular would meet that threshold? So, I mean, I think if we had to say, um, I, I guess the question is what right does those CR17 documents uh, allow you to exercise? And I think that I can't really answer it more directly than that, Oliver, because, you know, someone has to say, I need those documents because I want to go see one, two, three, four, five people, or I need those documents because this person is suing me and the documents are there, or I need them because I want to review something, or do you you understand what I'm saying? Um, So it's hard to sort of speak and Uh, the abstract, uh, because you can conceivably think of a situation where a person would need those documents to exercise a right, but I don't think we can think of a specific example now. So, yes, they should be available to be accessed, provided that someone can show why they need to access them. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just ask, is there a distinction between an individual or an applicant or an interested party accessing documents through an application versus those documents being made public. So, for instance, can the agency hand over its catered deployment records to the DA on condition that only the DA as the applicant has sight over those documents and not anyone else who wasn't cited uh, as an applicant or interested party in the matter? And you see there, they could have actually taken that position. Um, From the beginning, they could have said, if they wanted to, I mean, they would have never done that, but from the beginning, uh, that could have been an approach to say, we're giving these documents to you on the strict basis that they are held confidential, um, uh, but obviously reserving their rights under the pyre to say, we do have grounds for refusal of access to these records, but we're giving them to you nonetheless. Uh, Oliver, I actually have opened pyre in front of me here, and I want to 
speak to those grounds for refusal that you'd actually ask about, right? Yeah. So the first is a mandatory protection of privacy of a third party who's a natural person. Uh, so that's a ground for refusal. The second is mandatory protection of commercial information, which we spoke about. Uh, the other ones are certain confidential information of a third party and safety of individuals and protection of property, protection of records privileged from production legal, legal proceedings uh, and commercial information of a private body. So that's really, you know, um, what the grounds that the ANC could have uh, canvassed yeah. Uh, yeah, in refusing these documents. Yeah. Let's have a listen at this WhatsApp voice note. Hi, Oliver. I think it's... Uh... It's unfair for another political party to have access of confidential information of another party. Yes, case made that maybe some deployments were messed up or they were not sound. But in that case, they must go case by case and say, okay, this deployee of yours, they messed up. So let's see how you arrived at them. Not to be like a wholesale that everybody all the documents should be known or should be handed over. That's money. Thank you very much for that. Actually, we can squeeze in one last voice note. Oliver, in the name of transparency and fairness and justice, ANC is the government. So I don't think it should refuse to give those information. I think it's just wasting its time. The Constitutional Court is going to rule that this information be available. But if ANC have, has appointed people with quality, with experience and qualification, why should it refuse? I think ANC should just give that information. That is the right thing to do. Because it's a government and everybody in taxpayers need to know how the ANC operate. Why should it be difficult to show why we appointed A, B, C and D? And even if it is a matter of employment equity, so that the, the, the heads of the government and in government institution like SOEs, so that it reflects the demography of the country. Why should it be difficult, Oliver? I think, I don't understand ANC here. Gordon Thank you very much for that. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Benedict, really appreciate your time and your insights as well this evening. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Night Talk with Oliver Dixon.